Yes, today is a fun day. We're going to talk about persecution. Woohoo! Isn't that just kind of a fun topic? But it really will be a fun topic. We've been in this series, Bless This Home Now. Uh, this is week four of five. And I'm pretty pumped for uh, the series and really looking at, man, what does it mean to live a life that is totally Christ-centered? And we've kind of drew the illustration out over the course of the weeks here, but, you know, it's, it's to have a balanced life. It's to literally have Jesus as our center and, and be able to, like, live out from there in our home, whether you're a uh, a student or whether you're a, a parent and you have ultimate control of the home, it's that reality of life is better with Jesus at the center and kind of unpacking that and what does it mean to be balanced in life with Jesus at the center. And sometimes when you're truly living with Jesus at the center, you are making decisions based off of what you're learning in Scripture and it puts you in some awkward moments, right? Right? Where maybe you find yourself, and you're due to your convictions, not feeling like you can go with the flow. And you have to make a choice. And sometimes those choices lead to what maybe we would call persecution in our world. A little different than persecution around the world. But uh, it might be isolation. It might be lonely. It might... Uh, be, depending on the country you're in, uh, your life. If you make a decision to follow Jesus, that very choice puts you in a position to potentially lose your life around the world. And uh, so our big idea today that we're going to unpack together is Christ-centered families will be persecuted. There will be a moment. So what do we do with that, right? Here's our text. We've been in the Beatitudes. We're finding out all these ways God will bless, right? And it says in Matthew 5.10, God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad. This doesn't make sense, right? <laughs> You're going, whoa, whoa, whoa. What? You lost me on the be happy about it part, right? But that's what it's, verse 12 there, we're getting some instruction. Be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. Wow. Sometimes Jesus' teachings leave us scratching our head, don't they? I mean, you just sit there and go, Okay, this one, you're, you're, I'm doing really good with the peace and the righteousness and the justice. I can be passionate about injustice. Yeah, let's bring clean drinking water to those who don't have it. Let's free people from slavery. Let's get persecuted. Whoa, time out there, Jesus, right? He really ramps it up and goes here to a deeper place. And it's the exact message we want to hear on a beautiful day outside when we could have been mowing the lawn or swimming in the pool or the lake, trying not to cramp up and sink, wear a life jacket. Anyway, moving on. Uh, you know, so it's like, really? Really, Thad? Like, we had to hit this one? Could you have made a choice? Um, and, and think back on your life. This is fun to do. I mean, just kind of think about the context of your life and go, 
Was there a time you were persecuted? Have you ever been persecuted for your faith? And, and, and it's interesting, like, to think about stories or contexts and maybe... And, and persecution in America is way different than persecution in Syria, Iraq, Vietnam, North Korea, where the Bible's called pornography. And if you're caught with it, you're shot in front of the entire town. Your neighbor might mock you here. The news might be biased against you at times. Laws may seem to increasingly favor the other guy. But your head's not on a fence post at the center of your community. To prove a point. To intimidate you. To put fear in you. Maybe you've never felt the urge to take your family's life because someone in it made a decision to follow Jesus. I was a youth pastor in Spokane for my first youth ministry and had a gal that was Thai that was attending uh, the youth ministry and a few weeks into coming with her friends to the youth ministry, she made a decision to follow Jesus invited Jesus into her life and turned from her heritage faith, right, the, that had been passed down to her, and come to find out a few weeks into her following Jesus and really falling in love with Jesus and going to her campus ministry, and, and just she was starting to really read her Bible and pray and become alive in her faith. Uh, her dad found out that she had made a decision to follow Jesus, and she was trying to keep it a secret. And I get the frantic call from her saying, my dad is trying to take his life, and he wants to take all of our lives because I chose to follow Jesus. And so there was a, a, an aggressive intervention, obviously, with law and such, and we found ourselves in a room. And I'll never forget the moment when he's explaining through her, because he didn't speak English, uh, it's better to take their lives than for their relatives to be killed at home when they find out one of their own made a decision to follow Jesus in their lineage. And I was like, what? You know, that just is so far from our thinking in America. And I'll never forget, I got teary, and every once in a while that happens, Right? i let my masculinity embrace emotions. Anyway, so I was there uh, in the room, and I, I remember how daring I felt as a young youth pastor sitting there and saying, well, man, I can't think of much to do other than pray. Can, can we pray? And I'd like to pray in Jesus' name for you. And he said, okay. And I was like, that is powerful for him to allow and it was a beautiful moment, and God came into their lives and transformed that family. She went on to become an intern for ministry, and I, I don't know where she's at or what she's doing now, but the family lives. But that's persecution. Like, that's the fear of persecution. The first illustration in the Bible that we see of persecution is kind of like the Cain and Abel story in Genesis 4. They both bring offerings to God, but 
Abel's is more favorably looked upon from God than, than Cain's, and he's jealous, and he's mad, and he's angry, so he invites Abel out into the, uh, the field and takes his life, not because he did something wrong, but because he did something right in God's sight. That's persecution. It's not that we do something wrong. It's that we're living right with Jesus at the center, and it drives the people around us crazy. Jealousy, call it, whatever you want. But how do we prepare our families for persecution? Because it's a reality in some way or another. Personal persecution, persecution of the church, persecution of your, yourself at work, in life, in the neighborhood. So thought one, the Bible encourages us to teach them to earn it. Teach them to earn it. If you're going to be persecuted, let it be because you are radically loving people. Right? Not because you decide to get on a high horse or your soapbox and make some weird Christian stand that just makes everybody around you, including the Christians, mad. Right? Earn it through ways of love. Sometimes our actions are not in line with Jesus' love for others, and therefore we place ourselves in a scenario that looks like persecution, but truly it's the result of us being off mission. And I know in your mind you can think, oh, so kind of like... So I want you to watch a video that just kind of plays some of those kind of likes you're thinking about, and then we're going to have a conversation. So when we make a decision to follow Jesus, we become Christians. And when the world around us watches the news, they often think we're going to Target after service today with our Bibles in our hand and screaming at people. And that's why it makes no sense to them when we show up with school supplies or we offer to bring food by for a, a foster family that needs help for a while or we bring a duffel bag of supplies for a foster family or feed people at Thanksgiving. It just, their mind goes, wait, like I've seen Christianity and it shouts and it screams and it holds signs. But Jesus didn't teach his disciples to do that. He taught his disciples to love. And so sometimes our well intent of living out to be faithful to Jesus puts us in a position where all kinds of people want to use our story for politics or publicity. And we see it play out on the news of a well-intended person trying to live faithfully what they interpret in Scripture become just a laughingstock to humanity. That dude with the red cup from Starbucks wrote a blog after that, about a week after that moment, uh, it, that was titled, Why I Didn't Commit Suicide the Day After I Posted That Video, because he just got, he got crucified, in a very funny way by Steve Colbert, though. But, uh, you know, because... He was off. 
And he, he realized it very quickly. Oh, yeah. That, but he still posts videos like that on a continual basis. Is that putting us in the line of persecution intentionally? Is it for our own attention? Is that what Jesus would have us do? I think the way we would encourage followers of Jesus to experience persecution is for living love loudly, not for marching and protesting and, and, and being in the middle of things in an offensive political agenda type of a way or a pride stance. Target is not a Christian department store. Maybe that's news to people. Why expect them to make choices based off the Word of God? I just think it's interesting to me. Romans 12, 17 says this. This is interesting. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you're honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. We want to encourage you to stay the course of your faith, even in the face of persecution. But it seems like many illustrations of Christians being so-called persecuted, it's like self-inflicted persecution. It's not humble. It's not honorable behavior. Its intent is not peace and love. But if after everything you do is intent with a heart of servanthood and humility and your goal is peace and you're still persecuted, if you've done everything in love and you're still persecuted, praise God for it. Be glad is our challenge. You've earned it. A couple years ago, I was asked to march. might have been more like three or but I was asked to march against the city. And I said, you know, um, I'm for the city. Jeremiah 29 challenges me to help reestablish community and, and, and plant roots in the city. And I have friends in the city. And, and, and if I have a problem with some decision the city made that I think maybe needs to be realigned, I could go have a coffee with someone or, or book an appointment, but holding a sign and marching doesn't bring peace in my perspective. And, and I was not a popular person in that meeting. But I think that's what Jesus would have done. Yeah, he turned a table over to prove a point at one time. He did get angry. But more often, he healed and he came in a way of peace. And he earned going to the cross. How do we prepare our families for persecution? Thought two. Teach them to expect it. What? 2 Timothy 3.12 says this. Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. If you're a Christ-centered family, in some way... You'll be different, and you'll be criticized for it. It will happen. Being a Christ-centered family means your values are different, like they're rooted in the Word of God, and we're on an increasing drift away from biblical values in our world as we get farther and farther away from the cross. And you look at this 
this reality, and so we kind of stand out more and more, right? We're like a light in a dark room at times, which is good, because that's what we've been challenged to be is a light. But although it might not be blatant persecution, you may be snubbed at times or whatever because of choices you make, like in our home. In our home, we challenge our kids not to, like, watch witch movies. Just a choice, right? Uh, or witch shows. Every once in a while, we'll catch them on Disney watching some weird thing. But it's like, you know, that's, the goal is, nah, that's not, that's not a princess, that's a witch. You know, and you're kind of like, so we're not going to watch that. And they're like, what? Why? I don't understand. But it's interesting. When Halloween comes around, the costumes they choose are not like dark, evil costumes. They want to be something like bright, happy, usually. And so the reality is, even at our house, we don't make a huge deal. We're not the big, oh, it's Halloween, man. Let's just go. Let's creep out the house. We're just going to go crazy evil. We light up the night. Now, we go insane at Christmas, you know, with lights and stuff. But we, on Halloween night, trick-or-treating, we, we do a fire pit and hot chocolate for people, and it's kind of a bright, happy, while they're scaring the hell out of people right next to us. Like, literally, it's amazing. But uh, so we're, you know, but we're bright and happy. And, and it could go two ways, right? We could be the weird family, which initially I think we kind of were. And uh, that, that, oh, that's the kind of happy, they're going to try to give you hot, what's in the hot chocolate, right? It's kind of the weird family. But now, a few years in, it's like, oh, I look forward to this. You're just going, interesting, right? But as time goes on, our choices and our values might result in being left out of something. Right? Maybe that's the family that, that's the family that doesn't drink a lot and, uh, at all, maybe. I think they don't. Let's not invite them. Does that suck every once in a while when the Facebook posts are of the party and you're like, man, I didn't even get the invite? Oh, well, right? You just kind of take a deep breath. That's like the persecution that maybe you'd. I asked Dana, I said, what's the biggest moment? Like, what moment of persecution can you recall? She was like, wow, I remember. I was like, this is going to be a good one, right? And she was like, in high school, they used to call me the nun, which is funny because we were just watching Pan, and I was teasing her that she should get, like, one of those white hats like the nuns had in that show. I come dressed up as a nun and didn't even realize I was bringing back traumatic memories of her childhood. But so, uh, so she tells me this, and I was just going, oh, the nun. She goes, yeah, because I didn't do anything. I didn't, like, sleep around. I didn't drink. I didn't do the parties. Like, my life where I found my space was at church and serving, and going on missions trips, and, and making a difference in people's lives. And so they called me a nun because church was like my center. And I was just like, that's in a student's life persecution, right? She had a blessed life. She had something that a lot of students were searching for at the parties, significance, value, purpose, friends. And she found it in a way that was whole and beautiful, and peaceful. John 15, 18 says, if the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. 
The world would love you as one of its own if you belonged to it, but you're no longer part of the world. I choose you to come out of the world so it hates you. Do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than the master. Since they persecuted me, naturally, they will persecute you. And if they had listened to me, they would listen to you. Wow. So you earn it, you expect it, and thought three, endure it. Teach them to endure it. We don't whine or cry or gripe when we get snubbed or it isn't fair. We endure it. And we go, it's okay, it's fine. As parents, we'll sit and we'll see some teens going a different direction and go, I wonder if our teens are noticing that they weren't invited, which is kind of awkward to preach with you sitting right here. But anyway, so, uh, but, you know, it's like, did they realize what some of the choices of their friends are? Because they're not at home crying about it. And we just, as parents, pray and thank God and go, I'm glad that those spiritual roots keep going deeper and they're not drying up and dying. Where family identity is, is strong and peer pressure is weak. And where family identity is weak, peer pressure is strong. So as family, as a home that's Jesus-centered, we can make a difference in those choices being a positive choice. We can help them embrace persecution when it comes and thank God for the small ways we suffer in our world. 1 Corinthians 4.12, we work wearily with our own hands to earn our living we bless those who curse us we are patient with those who abuse us it's interesting it's tough teaching as we showed in that video i don't see jesus or the grace in which uh i just don't see Jesus demonstrating or shouting over loudspeakers, uh, and, and therefore I, I don't choose to do that. I, I endure when I feel like something maybe is coming against my faith in a room. But I, I'm a Christian, and so I'm labeled with that behavior, which is why one of the reasons I choose to kind of differentiate that I don't know what it is, but I cringe when I hear the term evangelical. And so I tell, no, I'm a follower of Jesus. Well, what's the difference? Well, I'm not taking a stand just to take a stand. I, like, love people and want to love people the way Jesus did and follow his example versus, like, an agenda. I don't know if it makes sense, but I just try to show how we're separate without throwing them fully under the bus. I think they're interpreting Scripture in a way that leads to their behaviors. I just don't follow the same interpretation. While I pray for them that it might be different and that their, their pain and gloom and doom ends, I don't have the same pain and gloom and doom perspective. But that's the way it is in our community. There's other churches in our community that have that same kind of core to them and, and I'll hear about their stories and I'll just go, I, ah, I don't 
do I'm not experiencing your persecution, but I'm also not doing the blatant things you're doing that are getting the persecution. And it's hard to to explain that in a gracious and loving way. So I kind of thought of an illustration that maybe it'll make sense to you if you've been following, if you've turned on your computer in the last week and a half or two weeks. But uh, I would rather be Chewbacca mom than the county clerk. Two women who have become very, very famous visibly for their their faith, ultimately. Chewbacca mom, you might not realize it was her faith that landed her on that video. But the day before, she prayed God would increase her platform to share the gospel. Now, she was just having fun unboxing a Chewbacca mask. But all of a sudden, God (laughs) answered her prayer in a way that she was clueless in, and now she's famous around the globe. She's recognized everywhere. She's received full-ride scholarships for her kids to go to college. I mean, the, the list goes on. It's unbelievable. Chewbacca mom. On the internet, Ed, that's this tool on your computer that, uh, that's an inside joke. I'll tell you guys later someday about someone in the room who's never bought anything online. Okay, moving on. Um, so we, we joke with Ed about technology because we love him. And uh, so I just look at that Chewbacca mom and go, that's the kind of the joy and fun-filled way I believe God wants us to be exposed to the world around us versus coming at the world with, endure it. How do we prepare our families for persecution? Final thought, thought for, teach them to embrace it. First Peter 4.12, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through, as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad, for these trials make you partners with Christ in His suffering, so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing this glory when it is revealed to all the world. If you are insulted because you bear the name of Christ, you'll be blessed. For the glorious Spirit of God tests, rests upon you. If you suffer, however, it's not, it, must be, it must not be for murder, stealing, making trouble, or prying into other people's affairs. But it is no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Praise God for the privilege of being called by His name. Don't be surprised. Trials will come, Right? Hey, don't be shocked, but don't go march down the aisles of the department store and trespass and, like, inhibit a business either, to prove your point. Don't go in there and do something illegal and make trouble for them. Don't fight. Don't eye for eye. Jesus changed that teaching. Teens, I want to hone in on on the youth in the room. You're going to find yourself in a scenario where you'll be pressured in a way that you've never experienced pressure before, and they'll want you to compromise in a way you've never been compromised before. But if you take the, the, the path of peace and love that you think Jesus would take, 
you're going to break free through your youth years without so much baggage that those who just made the other choice would carry. Man, I look at the, the, the drinking realities, and it's the time of year when the parties happen, and, and people try something for the first time and lose their life. And every teenager thinks, man, this will never happen to me. But unfortunately, it happens to people. A small decision. But why does Jesus challenge us to obey the law of the land? Which would tell us we shouldn't drink till we're 21? Well, he knows better. And, whoa, it's different in other countries. We're not in other countries. If we were in other countries, we would be beheaded for our faith. Which do you want, right? I'm like, come on. What if we follow the way of Jesus and live this life of peace and become in our friends' lives that person that can help? It's okay to be the driver. You'll be tempted to go with the flow, sleep together before you're married, give in to all the challenges. The world would say, it's okay, everybody's doing it. What if you follow the way of Jesus? Will you be mocked? Probably What do you do? Embrace it. Goes with the territory. I chose to follow Jesus. It's all good, right? Will you be called names? Will you be the nun? Will you be the monk? Sure, why not? Dress up as Nacho Libre. Because he's awesome. Nacho! Parents, Is it okay to really elevate Jesus at the center and hold hard to what you're reading in Scripture and teach them not to just go with the flow of culture, but every once in a while make a choice that's right? (laughs) Absolutely. Stand your course, parents. Your youth will love you for it. But if you give in, if you extend that grace in a way that would allow them to be more and more and more like the flow, they might get caught in the flow. What is it to live this blessed home? What is it to make it and endure and embrace persecution? You'll lose ground if you don't talk with your kids. That's why we love family dinner as hard as that is in the world we live in, but to sit down and, and just talk. We don't usually get to talk. We're listening. But ever ask questions or spur on, like, what's happening? What's going on? What are your thought processes? What are you learning? How is Jesus applying in your world? And maybe it doesn't come out like that, but we can hear it. We can hear that they're embracing right choices, even though they're in challenges that go against the flow. And then we push those challenges back at them. What if we demonstrate the courage for them that it takes to embrace persecution for the sake of love? We model it, right? So our action point's pretty simple today. Teach them to love. How do we prepare? Like, what can we do from here to, to prepare for persecution? Just love and teach your family to love. Matthew 5, 43 says this. You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. 
Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you'll be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. And you hear the stories of those being persecuted and losing their lives and families around this world that, that missionaries that go onto the mission field and their lives are taken by those who are coming against the Christian faith. And it's this glorious honor and experience for them. And we think they're crazy. Are they? Wouldn't you rather go down loving that's why our action point is teach them to love. Because I think they would have been really brutally bad off if they would have tried to stand up and protest the guy with a machete. Right? I don't think they were doing that. They just continued to pray. They just continued to love. And in a world that some continue to doom and gloom and say they're all against us, they're all against us. What if we could continue to say that's okay, we're going to love all, we're going to love all, we're going to love all. That's our take on this deal. The altar call today is not to grab a Bible and go to our local department store and check out their bathroom policy. We're going to love people. God, in a world that we live in that's increasingly making choices, that do not reflect those choices that maybe we would agree with or follow. I pray that, God, you would give us the wisdom. Give us the wisdom to, to take a stand when we need to take a stand, but may it be a stand that represents peace and humility and love. Jesus, you considered yourself of no reputation. So who would we be to stand up and, and try to claim a reputation and a stand and a position without love? Maybe I get it. Maybe I get it that without love we're a clanging symbol and all these things that your word says in Romans. I, I pray that God, that would be very real to us and we would not choose to take stands without love. If love is our stand, that's awesome. So God, help us stand on love. We pray for those who are taking a stand in a way that does not resemble peace and love. And we pray that God, the reputation they're making for Christianity, I pray that their eyes would be open, that they would be broken, they'd be challenged by you, that they would see a different way that would make a humongous impact in the world we live in that's confused, that wants what some who follow Jesus have, but not the judgment of others. God, open our eyes that we would be those that love and walk in the way of love in the face of persecution. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. On the back of that Connect card that Jaden pointed out, earlier you can kind of share man i'm struggling with this like this is tough or can you pray for this or we want to pray with you we want to pray with you and whatever you're facing and maybe you want face-to-face -face prayer we'll have somebody here to pray with you in just a minute after Jaden closes us out but uh, i just want you during this song to reflect and go man in what ways in my life can i help prepare my home for persecution what does that mean from here? What's my next step?